scripture reading this morning is found, I'll be reading the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians in your pew Bible in front of you. If you'd like to use it, it's on page 1,237. I'll start with verse 1 and go through verse 10. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell you how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There you go. Good to be with you. Good to start a brand new series today. Uh, Excited to launch into it, and excited we're also trying something new this morning uh, by streaming our our sermon and and the scripture reading on uh, Facebook today. So... Um, hopefully once we get that down and consistent then uh, that's maybe something that you can share with folks and help folks who maybe can't come to church or whatever you know that can uh, tune in and still kind of be a part of what we're doing in some small way Uh, have you ever heard of Nick Bujacek maybe you've seen him on TV maybe you've heard him speak at some event or uh, I don't know, maybe you've just heard about him some way or another. He, he was born without legs or arms. And now he has a ministry called Life Without Limbs. But, you know, when he was just a child, it, things felt pretty hopeless for Nick. He didn't know anyone else in his predicament. He couldn't see how there would be any hope. Right? How would he ever have a normal life, work a normal job, have a wife, have children, do those things that everyone does in life? Uh, He felt picked on and bullied at school. Uh, It said by the time he was eight years old, he was contemplating suicide. Can you imagine? These days, Nick is famous for being different. But it's not that he doesn't have arms or legs. What's so remarkable about Nick is his attitude and the joy 
and the vibrancy, the vitality that this individual has where we would expect there to be bitterness, loneliness, depression, you know, helplessness. Uh, but, but when you look at what he's accomplished in his short life to this point, um, from what I understand, I think he's got two kids and a beautiful wife. He's, got, he's traveled all over the globe and talked with uh, crowds that are large and presidents in their offices and you know, in countries small and in countries large. Uh, he's reached over a billion people with his message of hope and love and, uh, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's pretty amazing what God's done through his life. But he's living in such a different and unique way. And yes, the fact that he doesn't have arms and legs makes that stand out all the more. But people don't gravitate to him. People aren't amazed by him simply because he doesn't have arms and legs. It's the hope that they find. Right? It's the, it's the thing that they're dealing with in their life that feels like their burden to bear, that makes them feel hopeless, that makes them want to despair. And they see someone else who's living such a different way. And they are curious about it. They, they want to know about it. Truth be told, uh, most of us, we don't really want to be different. We want to fit in. I mean, and that's normal and natural. That's the way Nick felt, right? And still does. He said he still feel, fit, keeps a, a pair of shoes in his closet just in case of a miracle. <laughs> he wants to be ready. Uh, so we all want to fit in. We, from a very early age, you know, I remember, and I think I was like in fifth grade, and apparently I wore this t-shirt. My mom reminds me of it because she was... I guess she really likes the t-shirt. But anyway, some kid must have made a comment about it. I was like, I'm never wearing that thing again. You know, because you want to fit in. You want to be cool. You want to be accepted. You want, that's something we all want. And it's something in a way we don't really grow out of. You know, we still, we want to choose decisions. We want to, you know, have behaviors that fit in. So that we can be accepted by those around us. That's a, it's a normal thing. But what's funny is, we don't want normal results. Right? We want to fit in with the people around us. We don't want to stand out. But we don't want the same results. We, don't, we want to do the same, make the same choices, have the same behaviors, but we don't want the same outcome. We don't want to stick out. Even the people who we would look at as, and say, well, they're kind of different. Well, most of the time, when you look at it, they're being different because they didn't feel accepted by the main crowd, and so they found another crowd to fit in with, right? And they were different. But still, the goal is acceptance. But I haven't ever met anyone that says that they want the normal results of this world, right? The broken marriage. No one says, yeah, give me one of those. (laughs) No one wants... Uh, the, the kid that is abandoned or feels neglected. No one wants the kid who's abused. You know, they don't, we don't want that to happen. We don't want depression, loneliness. We don't want those things. We don't want drama. A lot of us find it. Or it finds us, right? However you look at that. We don't want those results. But we also want to blend in. 
And I just want to suggest today that what's the definition of insanity, right? Something like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, it just... There's some ways it's good to be different. And I think we all understand that. And Jesus came not calling us to fit in, but calling us to be different. To live different. And when we do live the way that he called us to live, it is different and it does stand out. Not always in a good way. And sometimes it causes suffering and pain. But he also says it's a better way. And those who pursue it find different results. So we're launching into this new series called Extraordinary, the call to be different. And it's based around a letter from the Apostle Paul to a people in the community called Thessalonica. And it's basically, like so much of the New Testament, a call to be different. It's a call to live different. It's a call to a different way. You know, sometimes in the church we've made it sound like this whole Christian thing is just about, uh, you know, coming to an altar, praying a prayer, and punching your ticket to heaven, and you're good to go. But it's actually always and ever about following Jesus and his better way of life. And so that's why when we have letters from people like the Apostle Paul, or we have the words of Jesus, they're seldom talking about biding your time till you get to heaven. I've yet to read that verse. They talk about what you ought to be doing right now and about the different way that you ought to be living. And that's what this series is going to be about. And today we're just kind of introducing this different people to you that we encounter in the community of Thessalonica. Uh, But our story begins today in detention. Raise your hand if you've ever been in detention. This is... True confessions of Christians right here. <laughs> Ever been in detention in school? You know, if you can think that far back, some of y'all, no, I'm just playing. But, ever been in, okay. Alright, well, there's a few of you raised your hand. How about, have you ever been in detention and it wasn't fair? You didn't do it, you didn't deserve it, but you were put there anyway. Anybody? I was. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, I see. Eric and David have too. They're with me. <laughs> we, uh, we know about it. All right. Sometimes things don't always happen fairly. And, and you do something that's uh, you know, not even wrong. Or you get caught for blame for someone else's deal. And, and you end up paying the price. And when that happens, you just feel like singing, don't you? <laughs> not me. And I don't know. The time that it happened to me, now this, I hesitate to tell this story because it proves what a nerd I am, but me and two of my also nerdy buddies were in music class, I think we were in 8th grade, and we were musical, we were into music, and, and so apparently we had found out that we could, you know, build harmonies together, and we liked to practice this around. Well, and class hadn't really started yet, plus we were in music class, and so we were just kind of practicing. We had a substitute teacher that day. She gave us detention for harmonizing in music class. <laughs> Go figure. And so we served that detention. <laughs> I'm still bitter about it to this day. It's unjust, and we did not feel like harmonizing in detention. 
But there are a couple of guys way back 2,000 years ago who did. And they were put in prison. They didn't deserve to be there, but they were put there anyway. Not only that, they weren't just serving detention. They were given a beating, a beating with, uh, with rods, with wooden rods. Now, there's a beating with wooden rods, and then apparently there are severe beatings with wooden rods, because we're told that they were beaten severely with wooden rods. Apparently you could just have a regular one or a severe one. I don't know, it all sounds pretty rough to me. Beaten with wooden rods, and then thrown into prison and put in stock into uh, stockades, right? Stocks. Now I put up a picture here of stock. That is not Paul and Silas. It's not them. <laughs> this is just you know a couple hundred years ago or whatever. But you know, stocks have been around for a long time, and they put your uh, feet in there, and you're stuck, and you're not stuck in the most comfortable position, right? Especially if you just got a severe beating with wooden rods. And so they're spending the night in there, so no wonder they couldn't sleep. They decide, why not sing? And they start singing songs of praise to God. And that's one of the most incredible stories from the book of Acts that tells us about what the apostles did. Things like that that, wow, the things that they did, the things that they went through, the the way that the Holy Spirit empowered them to bring the church into life, to launch this movement, is absolutely incredible. Well, in the night, as they sang, the earth shook. The prison doors flung open. Somehow, the stocks broke. The chains were broken. They were free. And so they ended up getting out of jail. Ended up getting out of town as well. (laughs) Because it was time to move on. But not before the jailer and his whole household came to faith. And they left this community in Philippi where they had been doing ministry and then things had gotten rocky. And they traveled. They traveled south to a place called Thessalonica. In modern day Greece, it's called Thessaloniki. And it's still located about the same spot they have a few of the ruins there, but it hasn't been excavated very much because there's a new city on top of it all, right? And, but it's been a prominent city for a long time. I mean, you can see right where it's located. It's kind of a crossroads, and it's right there at the Mediterranean Sea. So it's a major port and has been for thousands of years. And so it was a big city back then. They estimate maybe 200,000 people, which by ancient standards is a metropolis, right? It's a big deal. Um, And today, even larger city. It's the second largest city in Greece. Located right there on the ocean. And they come walking into town. I doubt that they were walking without a limp. I doubt they were standing up very straight. From the beating, from the lack of sleep. And they walk into this community... And for, we're told for three Sabbaths straight, three Saturdays straight, they met in the Jewish synagogue and they spoke about Jesus. They talked to Jesus wherever they could talk about Jesus. They told about him. And, and we're told that there were people there who accepted this message with joy, 
with excitement. It must have been a thrilling moment for someone in ministry like Paul and Silas and anyone with them who are giving their life to this cause to have such a reception because it wasn't always received with such joy. And Paul, in this letter we have, as he's thinking back on it, he remembers that you know he's writing to them. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. There was something special about this group of believers, this brand new group of believers in Thessalonica. But right after this came the suffering that they mentioned there. Right after this, the people of Thessalonica got unruly, decided they needed to drag this Paul guy into prison again just like he had been and so they go looking for him at a guy named Jason's house who was one of the new believers apparently where Paul had been staying not finding him there they just dragged Jason and his buddies in their place took them to court they were able to post bail but can you imagine if you were Jason You'd just met this guy, maybe even just a few weeks before, who came limping into your community with a message that had already won him a beating and prison in the last town he was in, and here he is boldly proclaiming it again. And something within you testifies with your spirit that it's true. And you receive it with joy, even though it means at your own risk. Next thing you know, you're dragged to prison as well. Would you have second thoughts in that moment? What am I doing here? (laughs) Has this new thing, this Jesus guy and his way of life, is it worth it? Well, after all that scene where Jason and his friends are, are dragged to prison... When they get back, they send Paul and his company and friends packing. They say, go on. It's not safe for you here. And so they send them on the road on to the next place. We Eventually they got to Corinth. And probably from Corinth, Paul writes this letter. First Thessalonians is what we call it. Written somewhere around 51 A.D., probably less than 20 years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, eyewitnesses still alive who saw these events took place. This is one of the earliest documents in our New Testament and one of the historical evidences for the death and resurrection of Jesus not being fictionalized. There's a lot of skeptics that look at the New Testament and call into question this and that and the other. Hardly nobody questions that 1 Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul to these believers in Thessalonica around 51 AD. And all the things that he claims in there could be tested by eyewitness accounts to the events. This is incredible that we have sources like this at our disposal today. Well, can you imagine being Paul? You've left this group of brand new believers behind 
to who knows what end as things were so, you know, they were already suffering for their faith when you left. And you travel on your way and you spent such a short time with them and you were so excited about the way they received the word, but possibly even with that message of Jesus ringing in your mind about how the seed would go out and sometimes it would fall on hard ground and sometimes weeds would grow up and choke it out and and Paul had to be wondering what about their faith they received it with such excitement but is it going to last is it going to stand when all these pressures come in from around them and so he worried about them and eventually he couldn't stand it any longer and even though he couldn't go he decided he would send Timothy. And we're told that by the time Paul writes this letter, he's writing in response to the news that Timothy brought back from Thessalonica. And he says, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Have you ever had someone that uh, you, know, you thought you kind of became friends, but then you're not sure if they really think that you're a friend, or you know, if they have the same you know, kind of liking and affection towards you that you have towards them, and so it's kind of awkward, and then that day comes when they say, whether it's romantic or just a friend, you know, that day comes where it's obvious that they think the world of you. And that feeling... It's a good feeling. And that's that feeling that Paul had when Timothy came back and said, yeah, they're still excited about God. They miss us. They wish you could have come. It warmed Paul's heart. Not only that, but by then he had received word from the whole countryside about the faith of these new believers in Thessalonica. He said, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He has raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You can hear the relief in his pen as he writes. In the first few chapters of 1 Thessalonians is like a hug by snail mail. (laughs) They didn't have anything else back then. And so it took a while for this letter to get there. But this was like Paul saying, man, I love you guys and encouraging them and I'm so thankful for your faith and you are our pride and joy. Stick with it. I'm so proud of you for sticking with it. And uh, don't forget, you know, that we are waiting on Jesus, whom God raised from the dead and is coming back again. Don't forget about the cores of, your, of what we stand on and the foundation of your faith. And, and it's just this big encouragement through chapters 1 through 3. And then when he gets to chapter 4, we don't know how much of it is reminding them and how much of it is maybe new information for them. We don't know exactly how long Paul had with these new believers to teach them about the Jesus way. But in the last part of this letter, he says, hey guys, let's talk a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. Let's talk a little bit more about this call to be different. Because you're already living different. But there's more. You're already not fitting in with the culture around you. But there's more to following Jesus. 
And he spends the rest of this letter talking about the call to be different. And that's what this series is based around. And it gets really practical. In fact, next week, the very first thing he addresses with them in his list of practical things is sexual immorality and purity. And what that looks like according to the Jesus way and how it's so extraordinarily different from the norms in their world and in their culture. Number one thing that he addresses... And it's one of the number one things we ought to be addressing in our culture as well, though too often we steer away from it. So next week, we'll dive in there, and then we'll talk about work and money, and how the Jesus way is different there too. And we'll talk about death and hope, and how the Jesus way is different there too. We're called to be different. Just like the people in Thessalonica, we're ordinary people. You and me, there's nothing that special about us, no matter what our mamas told us. We're, we're pretty ordinary. But we claim to be followers of Jesus. And therefore, we ought to be living a different way. The church in Thessalonica, they were ordinary people. They came from different walks of life. Some of them we know were women who were married to authorities and high-class citizens in the community. Some of them were not. They would have been a mixed bag just like anybody of believers in any community at any time since it all began. They were ordinary people. They were living such an extraordinary way that word about them had spread throughout the region. That's pretty impressive. I can hardly imagine living different enough for word about me to spread through West Monroe, much less a city of 200,000 people, much less, you know, not making just city news, but regional news for the different way that you were living. But the Jesus way has always been radically different. And that doesn't usually come without some form of suffering. People don't like it when you live very different from them. They never have. And we don't like to live that different from other people for that reason. Yet the Jesus way has always been a call to be different. This is my desire for our church. That we would be ordinary people living an extraordinary way. That we would stand out so much that our community around us would be blessed by the way we live. And yes, that word about the Jesus way would spread. Is that crazy to think I mean, there's so many Christians and churches that don't live so extraordinarily different. Is it crazy to think that one of us could? I don't know. I might not would believe it, except that people have done it. (laughs) People have done it throughout history. So surely we can as well. If we choose to, and if we rely on the Holy Spirit's help, surely we can live an extraordinary way.
If what you're doing as a Christian isn't different, then you're not doing it right. If what I'm doing as a Christian doesn't look a whole lot different from the culture around me, I'm not doing it right. How is this way different? (laughs) We're going to talk about some really practical ways in the weeks to come, like I said, but I mean, we know that the world is all about self-gratification, about seeking your own happiness, and that the Jesus way is about pleasing other people, thinking of other people, blessing other people, thinking about their happiness. We know that the world's way is about climbing ladders and gaining success and gaining power, and that the Jesus way is about giving it away, about serving others. There's so much that's radically different about the Jesus way that if we embrace it, we can't help but be ordinary people living in an extraordinary way. The call to be different is not a call to a pleasure cruise. You look at these first Christians and what they suffered for their faith, but you also read in the same sentence about the joy that they found. Now that's different all by itself. Finding joy in the midst of suffering? Who does that? People like Nick Vujicic. People like Paul and Silas. People that follow Jesus, that too. And I believe, and Jesus taught, that this extraordinary way of life is a better way to live. Even though it seems counterintuitive sometimes, even though it's so different from the world around us that it'll make us stand out like a sore thumb, it's a better way. As we said at the beginning, none of us want to be different, but we all want different results, right? Well, here's the thing. No one ever improved anything by keeping it the same. If we think that we can just come to an altar and pray a magic prayer and Jesus is going to sprinkle some magic fairy dust on us and make our life better, we're missing the boat. Jesus is calling us to a better way of life. The first Christians, they called themselves the way. They were living an extraordinary way. It was the Jesus way, the way he had taught, the way he had lived, the way he had modeled, the way his apostles were teaching, the way they were living. It was a radically different way and it led to radically different results, both in the peace and joy that they experienced, even in the midst of suffering, but also just in the results of, this is the way God created you to be fully human. This is how you can be truly human. The way God intended you to be from the start. This is how you can... Get back to what was good and what was intended for you. Yes, the Bible is full of promises of blessings and plans that God has for you and all those things. But these aren't things that just get sprinkled on you because you prayed a prayer. They are attached to the way of life that God teaches us to live. 
And if we say that we love him and we don't live according to the way he taught us to live, then we don't love him at all. And if we don't choose to live the way that he taught us to live, then we can't expect the blessings that he promised us. But if we're brave enough to choose to be different, to answer the call, then we'll find those good plans. We'll find those blessings. We'll find something extraordinary. You want an extraordinary life. You want an extraordinary family. Extraordinary relationships. Do you want to be an extraordinary blessing to other people? You're not going to do that or find that by living the same way that the world has been living for thousands and thousands of years. That's going to go on yielding the same results. But there's an extraordinary way. And I want to invite you to that way today. Whether you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and today you want to say, sign me up for that way. Or whether you've given your life to Jesus Christ years ago, but you take inventory of your life and you say, I'm not that different. There's not much different about me than anyone around me. I must not be doing something right. And you want to pray that God's Holy Spirit would empower you to live an extraordinary way. Even when it means looking strange in the eyes of your friends and in the eyes of the world around you. Are you willing to live that different? I pray that you are for your sake and for this world's sake. Let's do it together so we don't have to go it alone. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you for your way of life. It's a better way of life. Forgive us for the time that we've come up quite short. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would challenge us, motivate us, empower us to live an extraordinary way. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.